We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now, Schneider Orange Hotline is where we find uh, Evan Flood from uh, 247sports.com as uh University of Wisconsin athletes, Evan. Uh, it looks like they're back on the field in a manner of speaking and the court, right? Yeah, per reports, they're going to be back here uh, on June 8th, um, a little bit later than some of the other Big Ten programs. Uh, but it sounds like uh, you'll be able to get back to the strength and conditioning program. You know, obviously you have to be smart about it. Sounds like they're going to start in smaller groups here with weightlifting sessions. Obviously, you know, be cautious of, of testing, but, you know, if things go according to plan, you can start uh, increasing the size of those strength and conditioning sessions and, you know, hopefully get these guys back on the field in a, in a safe manner, you know, come mid-July, uh, early August. Yeah, no, and I, li- I like the uh, the preemptive uh, sort of activities. That says in case there is a season, um, things like that, of that nature, I should say. Let me ask you this. What happened to... And again, I, I understand uh, the all of this is fluid, but what happened to uh, you know if there's no classes, there's no athletics at the NCAA level? Yeah, I mean, I think it varies school to school. I know you know Michigan has taken a, a very hard stance uh, on that, but you know I'm kind of with you where you know it sort of makes sense. You know, how can you have all these kids you know potentially not going to classes and you know being face to face? Uh, with each other, and then at the same time, you know, trying, I know it's, you know, fluid, like you mentioned, in terms of, you know, how many fans, you know, there could potentially be at these games. I know Purdue said, you know, they were only planning on, you know, selling tickets for about a quarter of their stadium, which seats about, you know, 60,000. But, you know, how could you conceivably pack all these people in the Camp Randall Stadium, but at the same time say, okay, well, we're not going to have classes. So it sounds sort of with you in, in the sense that I think, you know, one has to be uh, with the other, but at the same time, it seemed to vary, you know, between uh, programs across the country about how they want to, to do that. You know, some have taken a very hard stance and said, yeah, we're not going to have one without the other. The others, you know, have kind of gone forward and, you know, are pushing sports harder regardless of, you know, maybe where their own university stands on, on bringing back classes. 24-7 sports is where you find his stuff. Evan Flood. Uh, on that note, then what, what happens if some want to participate and, and others don't? I mean, what, what does that do for, uh, for conferences? What does that do for schedules? That's a million-dollar question right now. And you know, like I said, you know, Michigan kind of took that, that hard stance, and I think it, I forget who came out you know, from their university 
and, you know, basically was against playing college football uh, this season. You know, do you go forward with a a 13-game or a 13-team Big Ten? You know, obviously they're not going to be alone uh, in, you know, schools that, you know, may not want to play college football this season. But, you know, I I think there's going to be a lot of pressure for everyone to do so just because of uh, how much money they bring in for for every university. I mean, there are a lot of universities – I should say most of them, you know, are, are probably very dependent on the money that, that college football brings in. Certainly every athletic department is dependent on college football to kind of carry the, the rest of the sports. So I, I think in the end, the pressure to play is going to be too large for someone to sit out an entire season, especially, you know, if you've got the majority of the programs going at the end of the day i think you know we will have a season there will it just won't be the typical college football season we're accustomed to maybe in terms of fans being there um and then you know certain areas of coverage as well yeah you mentioned the uh financial aspect of this and and that to me it it you know, some people have this philosophy, Evan, you know this, that uh, it's it's always about the money. Always, always, always. But, you know, in this case, I think the Board of Governors uh, ha- have to have a plan A, B, C, D, and E to, to get things rolling, whether it's, as you said, in- inclusion of all the schools or if someone want to bow out, I think we should uh, probably uh, respect that part of it. Um, but the financial aspect, was there not a report out maybe a month ago about the impact of finances with the UW system and athletics? Uh, I didn't necessarily see, the, see that report. But, um, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, previously, you know, the, I, don't, I don't think it's getting talked about enough, you know, honestly. It, it's just the financial toll. And you know, I, I didn't read the report. Like, yeah, I sure. said some other things about it, but. You know, the financial toll, you know, not having a season or even have a, having a shortened season, you know, could take on, on these universities. Uh, it's huge. Now, obviously, everybody wants player safety and, you know, public safety. That, that's at the top of the, the priority list. But now you're seeing the NBA come back uh, in, in July. And, you know, we've already seen um, soccer overseas come back as well. Um, yeah, I know, like, youth baseball starting up now. So, so with all that happening, you know, it's hard for me to see a scenario where, you know, we don't have some sort of a season. And, and I think it'll be up to a lot of, you know, the higher-minded people to come up with ways to supplement, you know, money that you may lose from, you know, a shortened season or, or lack of ticket sales. You know, there are other ways to, to create revenue. Probably won't be in the, you know, the same category as we're accustomed to. But, you know, they're going to have to find ways to, to supplement that loss revenue in a lot of ways because you know it doesn't just trickle down from the college football team it trickles down like i said to the entire athletic department and it's really throughout the entire university is dependent on that money no and it's the surrounding areas too there in madison for sure i mean our station there the zone in in madison um i mean they have these live broadcasts and then it's all sponsored out and that's all part of the of the activities that go on on a saturday home game there in Madison, so it's not just impacting the um, the the school itself, but that surrounding area. It's it's just a, a trickle down thing that is just. I don't know if it's even measurable. I, I don't know if you can even put the financial, um, you know, hit on this uh, to us to a certain amount. It's stratospheric, though. There's there's no question in in that entire area. Evan Flood, twenty four seven Sports dot com. 
uh, here with us on the Bill Michaels Show on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Uh, Evan, uh, one thing it, it could help is a little extra time in recruiting. I understand. I now I don't follow a, a kid named Jarvis out of New Jersey. I, I don't follow this this stuff as as closely as you do. But a couple of decent recruits coming in. Yeah, you know, and then like you mentioned, this kind of has helped Wisconsin in some ways. Now they've lost some players they would have liked to get on campus, but you know those, those opportunities will resurface. Either in August and or September to to maybe try and get back in those races, but you know it's really helped Wisconsin close a lot of you know their their top players here, and then there will be more uh, in the coming days uh, and weeks just because you know Wisconsin has led for these guys for so long. You know they weren't able to visit other schools. You know Wisconsin picked up a four star tight end and Jack Pugue, uh, who had to take a visit to Penn State a couple days before he committed to Wisconsin, and you know that you can't uh, do the dead period can't meet with any coaches. Um, obviously, there's no school going on, so he's really kind of visited that campus. And it's really lost Penn State's ability for you know their head coach, James Franklin, to have a one-on-one with him and, and maybe sway him. And then, you know, Daryl Peterson, an outside linebacker that Wisconsin picked up, you know, he was down to essentially Wisconsin and Alabama. He didn't get to make that second visit to Alabama and have a one-on-one with Nick Saban. And, and that plays into the Badgers' hands. Um, and then, you know, the guy you mentioned, Mike Jarvis, uh, Wisconsin picked up at, at defensive end. Uh, kind of a unique situation there because he never visited Wisconsin. They did some virtual visits uh, with him. And, you know, Paul Chris is generally a guy that doesn't like to accept commitments until the prospect has actually physically set foot on campus. You know, given the COVID-19 pandemic we're in, this is a unique situation. He's obviously backed down from, from that now, but... You know, Wisconsin's on a, on a little bit of a run here, up to 13 commits, and, you know, they could very well be at 15 here, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. And, and, and I guess it's got to be a tough decision for some of these kids to go ahead and, and not do the, the you know, that – that typical campus visit, because that is part of the allure of a program like the Badgers. It's part of the allure of being a, a recruited athlete uh, to not go through that. I feel bad for some of these kids, Evan. I really do. Yeah, it's, it's a big part of the process. I and mean, even if you're not all that serious uh, about a school, um, you know, for instance, a recruit gets five official visits. You know, in reality, he's probably really thinking about two or three. But it's a unique experience to, hey, uh, have everything paid for, you know, your travel expenses. You get to bring your parents along, and you know, they get to experience it uh, as well. You know, it's a huge part, you know, whether you're doing this in the summer or during the season where you get to take those game day visits. Obviously, those, you know, will be back on presumably. But, you know, if we're talking about stadiums being less than half full, that that negates the experience as well so and there are a lot of guys you know we're not talking about just because i cover wisconsin and you know they're they're mostly recruiting three and four star guys but a lot of guys that missed out on the spring evaluation period that needed to be recruited that needed college coaches coming through their own high schools to to get noticed that are going to get lost in the shuffle and lose scholarships because of it as well you know we're coming back in june hope the NCAA would, you know, just kind of open things up. You know, generally you can't go back to those high schools till the season starts, uh, but but they've missed out, you know, on weeks of evaluation period where they could have played in front of these college coaches, and now they're sitting there without scholarships and, you know, kind of an uncertain future right now too. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'll get Joe Zenzola in here in just a second here, Evan. But, uh, man, if it were up to me, uh, the visits would be either during the Mifflin Street block party or uh, Halloween on State Street. I'm just saying. You want to get some of these guys in, show them what that's all about. Joe, go ahead. True story. I got arrested at the Mifflin Street block party, but that's a story for for another day. Uh, Evan, I saw you tweeted about a month ago. uh, You know, we saw these projections from ESPN and it said that the Badgers, assuming we have a football season this year, have the fourth highest chance of getting into the college football. It's cool that the Badgers are getting that kind of recognition, but they're losing so many players and it starts with Jonathan Taylor. I don't know who's going to fill the void or try to make up for that running back core. What, what do you projection and um, what are all the weaknesses that you're looking at right now in this Badger football team? Yeah, there's something about that ESPN FPI because obviously uh, the BPI for basketball, you know, predicted Wisconsin as the national championship winner and I think before the season they had Wisconsin's preseason number seven. So for whatever reason, you know, you would like Wisconsin. Uh but but yeah, you know, there there are a lot of question marks with this team before we start talking about them as a uh you know, even a Big Ten championship contender, let alone a college football playoff contender. Obviously I think, you know, being in the West uh plays into those rankings because you're essentially saying Wisconsin's, you know, analytically has an easier path and then you, you know all you got to do is get past Ohio maybe get past Ohio State Penn State you know as a playing game for, for the playoff you know, I'm sure that increases Wisconsin's chances there and, and you probably figure you know a, a potential loss to Notre Dame on a neutral field will kill their chances uh, but but the biggest question mark I, I do have is how the offense is going to restructure without Jonathan Taylor without Quintez Cephas uh, without Tyler Biotis in the middle, you, know, you talk about that interior offensive line. Yeah, I, I would guess they move Logan Bross inside uh, to kind of solidify that a little bit because they're a little deeper at offensive tackle. That'll help. But, you know, Caden Lyles, Josh Sheltner, you know, those guys aren't proven commodities. Uh, you know, is Wisconsin going to be able to control lines for this, that they're like they're used to doing? And, you know, Nakia Watson will go into the 2020 season as the favorite uh, to be a running back. But, you know, again, I, I don't know that he showed – a ton last year to make you think he's ready to be the full-time bell cow back there. And Wisconsin's got some young pieces that, you know, were really hurt by not having spring ball. They needed to get Isaac Barendo and Julius Davis touches. We could probably see those guys sprinkled in throughout the season, you know, when it makes sense. And you know, the more you put on their plate, if they respond well, you know, perhaps they can challenge Watson for some serious reps there. Then we saw in 2018, you know, how – how much Wisconsin's offense really lacked explosive plays without Cephas. I know Kendrick Pryor and, and Danny Davis are, are good wide receivers, both average wide receivers that, you know, on any given Saturday can get you 100 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, that, that offense with Jack Cohn, uh, I think we saw last season how much it desperately missed Quintez Cephas' ability to keep people out of the box and, and just balance things out. Well, I can't wait to talk some uh, Badgers football as well. And uh, just real quick, in about 20 seconds, Evan, I hate to put you on the spot, but how do you think this is going to shake out? Do we have seasons for the basketball and football programs? I do believe we'll have seasons. I don't believe there will be a full capacity uh, of fans. 
I'm wondering, you know, if the injury reports are all of a sudden going to show uh, Nikia Watson out with a leg and, you know, Danny Davis out, coronavirus, something, something like that, you know, I, I think could really shake up uh, the season. But, you know, I think with, you know, it, it looks like testing's coming along well and you can, you can test these guys enough to the point where, you know, I, I think you can be smart about it. If you limit the amount of fans there um, and, and kind of limit, you know, just the exposure that, you know, maybe players have to other students in the classroom, you know, more online classes. I think there are ways to go about it where it still makes sense to have it. I feel better now after that answer. Evan Flood, 247sports.com, says, yeah, he thinks it's going to happen. Evan, I appreciate the time, man. We'll talk again. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right, there he is, Evan Flood, and he joined us here on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider, right now, they work hard, you work hard, they treat you fair for 80-plus years. They've been getting it done. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to schneiderjobs.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.